Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B, back in Studio B, with Pastor Nick Plummer. It sure is nice. Yeah, it is good. Um, so if this is your first time watching with us, we are Christians with Torah. We believe uh, in the basic Christian doctrine, right? We believe in uh, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. We believe that he came, right, in flesh, and that he died and was ro- risen again, right? We put our faith in him for salvation. Uh, we believe in the whole Bible, from Genesis all the way to maps, and that it's relevant for believers today. And so this is a key piece, because people hear Christians with Torah, and they think that, you know, all our emphasis is on Torah, yeah. right? And they have some some good points there. One of the things about us we doing— We have everything. We have the Gospels. We have— We have it all. We Christians have it all. With Torah, yeah. That's right. That's right. We have— uh, we have done for the last four years, the four, last four seasons, the tour portions. And so we've covered every tour portion at least four times. And you can go back and listen to those tour portions and get some uh, some nuggets, what we were thinking at that time. That's you a know. lot. It is. It is a lot. And so this year we've been studying the Gospel of Matthew. We've been taking our time, right, letting it percolate, washing ourselves in the water of the Word. Uh, and we're up to chapter 17. And chapter 17 is pretty cool because... Uh, we're going to get into the transfiguration today. It was leading up to it. And, 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 and I agree. I think that this is a, a climactic event um, that we're going to be discussing today. And so um, if you guys want to reach out to us, you can uh, please you know, subscribe to the channel. If you're not subscribed already, what, wh- why subscribe to the channel? We only put out one video a week for the most part. You know, and so you only get that one notification. Ring the bell so that you know when we put it out. Trust me when I tell you the things we discuss are prophetic and they're relevant for today. Right, they're relevant for what's. I know that when I read these scriptures every oh, week, yeah. that like boom, things are happening in my life. Really and truly, and and I don't know how that works. Right, I know that the Lord is doing something in that, and I don't know how He does it because I'm not God, but but He does it. Oh, and it's I'm, powerful. And I'm 100. All we have sure to be is obedient. Right. So today we're going to be studying verses one through thirteen, and we're starting off with the transfiguration. All right. You want to go ahead and read verses one through six. All right. So. The transfiguration starts uh, in chapter 17, and we're going to do 1 through 6. It says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. Yeah, let's just jump right in here. This is so good. Oh, this is good stuff. This is God just manifesting himself. <laughs> just, all I can Literally. say is, I mean, I don't know how you could use the New Testament 
and say Jesus is not God after this. Yeah. Well, you so would why say, would the Son of you would Man say, be transfigured? You would say, oh, he's the Son of God, right, and make that distinction, which he is. Still, but he's The showing, answer is yes and, and yes. And the Son is glorious. Oh, man. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Now, there's some context here. All right. I want to back up just real quick, if you, if we may, to chapter 16. So last week, you should go back and listen to the podcast from last week. We discussed how Yeshua builds up from verse 13 of chapter 16, where he asks the disciples, who is it that people say that I am? Right? He's getting some feedback. And then they give him some feedback, and then he says, well, who do y'all say that I am? And Peter says those famous words, right? right. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, then, a lot of things, yeah. And then, and then he, and then he, you know, pumps uh, Peter's tires, right? He tells him, you know, yeah, you know what? You didn't get that from from flesh and blood. Nobody told you it was that. A revelation, says, right? My Father in heaven is the one that told you that. Then he says, that, "Hey, you're the rock, and on this rock I'll build my church." And then he also says that I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, right? So he goes through this whole process, and then we get through him rebuking Peter yeah. <laughs> right after that. And then finally, we end, and it says here, because uh, he, he's building up, trying to explain to them who he really is. He tells right. them about his death, burial, and resurrection. And then I'm going to pick up in verse 27. It says here in uh, chapter 16, verse 27, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to their works. And verse 28, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So, so we've built up from who do people say that I am to him revealing his, his, his deity, his nature, right before Peter, James, and John. And I can only imagine what it must be like to see the glorified Savior. I mean, I, I have a revelation of Jesus. That's why I'm here today talking about him, because I have a revelation of Jesus Christ, right? I have personally, I believe, right, that I've experienced the presence of God. Yeah. I believe that, yeah. that Jesus is still in our midst and speaking to us today. I believe the Holy Spirit is with us. I believe all of these things. But I have not seen with my physical eyes right. the glorified Savior. No, no, no. I, um, well, I know when I got saved and born again in my apartment, I know it was the Holy Spirit, but I felt like it was Jesus in my apartment the yeah. whole time. Jesus this, Jesus that, because yeah. I called upon his name. Yeah. I called upon him, prayed in his name, cried out to him. But, um, you know, when you look at this transfiguration, he was transfigured. What it's basically saying is this is what it's going to be like when he comes back. Right. This glorious apparel and, and brightness. Um, Yeshua's inner circle consisted of Peter, James, and John. These disciples were the only ones to witness the transfiguration of the Messiah. Remember, not everyone can be in your inner circle. Mm. You know, some people want to barge in and think that they have the right to be in your inner circle or hang out with you. And you got to be very, you know, you have to be very cautious about that. And uh, that's very important to, to know. Uh, and so they were the only ones. And, and this is why uh, even with Paul Pickering and the champion's table for accountability for these pastors, the one that I'm in, it's four people at a table. Yeah. It's modeled after Peter, James, and John, and Jesus for accountability. Every week, for over 10 years, I've been meeting these pastors. So, Imagine being John, the brother of Jesus. Yeah. 
and seeing him like that. You're like, whoa. Like, I mean, that's your brother. Like, you've seen him your whole well, life. John wasn't his brother. It says right here. It says Peter and James and John. Oh, oh James and John, his brother. I'm James sorry. James and right. John were brothers. Right, 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 right. No, but, but yeah. imagine that. Yeah. No, okay. no. no. I Listen, didn't see it. it's, uh, I was it's thinking of James, his brother. You know, uh, but you know, it was Andrew who was Peter's brother. Right, right, right. But he's not in the inner circle. No, he's not. He didn't make the cut. Because Andrew, Peter, remember that? Right, right. Because Andrew, Peter, ah, to the Messiah. That's hey, right. the Messiah. He sure did. It was Andrew told it brought Peter. brought him in, yeah. So let's kind of break this down for, for a literal translation, a literal understanding. Uh, now, the high mountain, according to the church tradition, identifies this as Mount Tabor, about 12 miles from the Sea of Galilee. But most scholars favor Mount Hermon. Outside of Galilee and rising 9,166 feet above sea level, Yeshua was already at Caesarea Philippi, which is 100 miles south of Mount Hermon. Uh, this is Matthew 17, verses 1 and 2. So Mount Hermon, is, they can ski. So that's a pretty high mount. That's a high place. Well, in Caesarea Philippi, we get that actually from chapter 16, where they're at Caesarea Philippi. Um, it says there in verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he right. asked his disciples, who did men say that So I geographically am? speaking, he's nowhere near Mount Tabor. Which is why we, and, and then the context of what he's saying to Peter about the gates of hell will not prevail, if you remember from last week, this this place called the gates of hell is where they used to sacrifice babies. This is at the foot of yeah, Mount Hermon. Yeah, the God Hormone, Pan. Right, at the, at the headwaters of the Jordan. So then he goes up to the high place. It only makes sense that from this place that he's speaking to all the disciples that they go up there now obviously we don't have a hundred percent proof of that but the context makes you think especially because right the gates of hell will not prevail and then he goes up onto mount Hermon. it's a portal which which is where the watchers came Some down kind of a portal yeah. there's been a lot of uh, demonic activity and things there so it's almost like he's putting them on notice like hey suckers well that's what <laughs> dr michael heiser has stated and he has, he's even got a book about it so the 200 watchers or 200 fallen angels came down on mount hermon it's in the book of enoch right but this is what transpired so it's interesting that he would go to the very place to to actually rebuke them yeah um and 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 thank you you know if you look at in, in john i believe it's chapter 10 in the hanukkah story that yeshua celebrated hanukkah Right. And he claimed his deity right. up on the Temple Mount. Correct. So that's just like going against Antiochus Epiphanes because he claimed to be deity. Right. Uh, so continuing on in this transfiguration, the word transfigured is the Greek word metamorpho. And it means to transform literal or figurative metamorphosis. Change, transfigure, transform, Matthew 17, 2. So... Uh, Christ's appearance was changed and was resplendent with divine brightness on the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay. Um, Yeshua's physical transformation was a reminder of the glory he had before he became man. Which we can see. A, you want to look it up, John, John 1, 14? I've got a couple of the verses already marked here. Okay, good. Here. John, so let me read that again. John 1, 14. Yeshua's physical transformation was a reminder of of the glory he had before he became man. Right. So that rock was the one that followed him in the wilderness. Oh, right. He was so at Mount Sinai. Is, so let's read it. Is in the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. So and he's truth. the word made flesh. He is the Torah. What about John seventeen five? Right. Seventeen five would be where he is actually praying, right, to God and says here, I'll just flip to it and read it. Uh, it says here and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. 
Ooh. And Philippians 2, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Let me flip over to Philippians. See what I did there? Philippians what? Chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. All right. Chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, it says here, "...who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men." Uh, You know, think about it, Ryan. God became man. Right. So who are we to complain and say he doesn't relate? It's not even true. No, it's not. So look I got at, look at what he went through as a man. I got some verses for you. you ready? Oh my gosh! What so is it? last night somebody new came to Bake the Healers Bible Study, a young lady named Alexis, and uh, she looked up the other references to this word transfigured, the Greek thirty three thirty nine metamorpho, right? And there was two references, and they were awesome. I mean, just like I have one made I the whole study one. for me. It's Romans twelve two. That's it. So but what's the other one? The other one is first or Second Corinthians three eighteen. So I'll read Romans twelve oh, one and two. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians three eighteen is the second one. But right now I'm going to read chapter twelve verses one and two of of Romans. It says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed." To this world, but be transformed. That's that same word. By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, Paul is using the same word of Jesus' transfiguration. Okay, but it says are changed, right? So then let's go. Let's go over to Second Corinthians chapter three, verse. Eighteen. I'm on First Corinthians. I gotta go to Second Corinthians. Arr. There's two Corinthians. Three eighteen. Here it goes. It says, "But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord." I can't. I can't get this out of my head. Think about it. The transfiguration, right? I imagine that what Moses saw was the, the, the transfigured Savior, right? Because the, he was the, shining. The brightness and the glory. Yeah. So then what here, but check this out. Now, Paul is saying, but we with unveiled faces, right? This is a reference to the glory of Moses. Not Moses, but us. Exactly. <laughs> but this is a reference to Moses. So we, right, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror, meaning we have the glory of Yeshua inside of us. Right? What can't we do? What is there that we can't be? He, Yeshua says greater works than these, right, that you'll do. You know, that right there, Ryan. Glory um, to glory. And I want to say this. Uh, it ties into this book that I'm reading. Yeah. About the human spirit. And I'll just give it to you in a nutshell. The human spirit. You know, um, the bottom line is that our human spirit is not guiding or directing our life the way that it should be yeah so this author brings out a very good point from ministering and being in ministry and ministering to people incredible revelation through LL ministries she brings out the point that um, the primary purpose of the holy spirit is to give life Uh, secondary Mm -hmm. purpose is of course strength and comfort a comforter but also uh, the holy spirit brings conviction 
the Holy Spirit brings empowerment and encouragement. So, so what she was saying, what she tied in was, she says, we should model the Holy Spirit in our human spirit. And because we try to see through natural eyes or our soul and body, we fail miserably. Oh, yeah. So the question is, are we going to put our human spirit in the driver's seat and make the soul and the body go to the back seat. Right. Because see, what's happened is the best that your soul and body can do for your spirit is to break it. Ugh. You get a broken spirit. So here's the thing. Yeah. Now, this is a turn in the tables. Turn in the tables. If you can have your human spirit in charge in the driver's seat, it will strengthen your soul and your body. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because... That's good, that's right. I'll give you an example. Um, you mean my whole life? <laughs> I'll give you one example. I'm driving down the road, and I'm and I, it's on a Wednesday. It's my day off from the church. And the Holy Spirit says, you need to get on the rebounder. It's a piece of equipment, like a trampoline. Yeah, a little trampoline. So Carolyn had given me her smaller one, and I, I just tore it up. But I started jumping on the rebounder. And I felt physical improvements right away. Yeah. So I'm only saying that because I could do a lot of things. But the Holy Spirit was telling me, get on the rebounder. So I've lost some weight and I've built up my core. Yeah. And now I feel like my lymph nodes are opened up. My, my intestines, everything is open. Everything is vibrant and moving. Yeah. And I'm not putting any harm on my body, wear and tear. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a soft bounce rebounder. So I'm just sharing that with, with all of you because this is where it gets to be very, very interesting because this is a revelation that I'm putting together that I've been putting together, but I couldn't quite figure it out. But because Ella was here and I got some resources, I want to share this, Ryan. Um, so we all understand where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, we got a lot going against us, but 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 the bottom line is this, and, and this is where it got to be very interesting, and I want to share this because... I was just blown away. So basically, because of Romans and Corinthians, we should be changed. Right. In our human spirit. Right. We should be changed. Transfigured. And and, and, and when we pray for Into others, glory. our spirit prays for other spirits. That's right. The other spirits that are out there, that, that, that right. that's in the people. Right. Other people's spirit. And it strengthens them. So what happens is when our soul and our body is in charge, we can't really minister effectively. So I did a little study. And I noticed here that um, in this particular word, transfigured, it took me to, it's from 3326 in the Greek. This word, Meta? metamorpho, transfigured, comes from number 3326. And you know what the word is, Ryan? Meta. M-E-T-A. Mm. Now. You mean Meta was a word before the company Facebook changed their name to Meta? So what they're trying to change reality. Oh, absolutely. So it says this. Here's, here's, what it, here's what the Meta is. That's why is. it's the Metaverse. Right. So here it is. Meta helps people, communities, and businesses do more together through our technologies and immersive experience. They're trying to alter your reality. Listen, people are already in enough of a false reality. This is the metal, <laughs> the meta social metaverse company. Yeah. So, so this is why you got you were being brainwashed. 
That's why you got to break away from the culture. Yeah. You got to break away from your phone and all these things. Oh, yeah. And, and quit being so addicted to TikTok and all this other stuff and, 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 and discover things for yourself that are going to fill you up and encourage you, you know. So that's a main I subject have, matter there. I have so. been logged out of Facebook now for probably two weeks. My, I just, my brain feels so much better. I know that sounds crazy. I just no, feel it, it is true. I mean, my wife has a Facebook page, and I get to piggyback on it or whatever. And yeah. Beatty Hill has a Facebook page, but it's it's really not as bad as probably Instagram or, or TikTok as far as like what you're going to see or videos. Yeah, I, a thousand percent agree. I think Facebook they say is for old people now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Facebook. Yeah. So let's let's move on, Ryan, um, and I'll let you take it from here because now we're going to get into people appearing. That's right. So what two people appeared and talked with Yeshua? Moses and Elijah, or his name is Elias. Right in the in the King James, right? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's Elijah the prophet and Moses. I wonder what the the Greek name is for Isaiah. The Greek name, I it's Esaias. This is Elias, and then there's Esaias. I think it's uh, yeah. I don't I, I don't I know I got it mixed up before, but I don't want to do it that. Just again. changes the S into an L. So Yeshua is transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John. Yeah. And then two of these people appear. Right, so Moses represents the law, or the Torah, and he predicted the coming of the great prophet. And you can find this in Deuteronomy 18, chapter, uh, verses 15 through 19. But just, we don't have to go there, but basically no. he says, hey, a prophet... You better listen to him. He's going to come, right? He's going to come. Right. Oh, a prophet's going to come. So let's just confirm right now, today, that Yeshua is that prophet that Moses spoke of. Oh, yeah. And Moses appearing... Right. Is like him saying, "Hey, guys, remember all that stuff I wrote? This is him. <laughs> yeah. It's the guy. You know, like that's I know. what I imagine he probably said. And yeah. That's a mosaic prophecy that's pulled out of Deuteronomy. Exactly right. So then Elijah represents the prophets who foretold the coming of the Messiah, and you can find this in uh, Malachi chapter four, verses five and six, which is basically um, that uh, Elijah the prophet will come before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, right?" which kind of has a double meaning there. We'll get to that in a sec. But Moses and Elijah's presence with Yeshua confirmed Yeshua's messianic mission to fulfill God's law and the words of God's prophets. So you have the, the law, law and the prophets. The prophets. They, yeah, everything hinges on that. Right. Well, we, we, you know, isn't, we that what say, he said, isn't that what he said about loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Yeah. That that's what the law and the prophets is. Exactly. And the law and the prophets hang on, on these two things. Right. Those two, the two big laws. So, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it can't be overstated that Moses and Elijah, representing the whole of Scripture and the people that were the prophets of God, hearing directly from God, showing up there to endorse Yeshua as this is the guy, right? I think this is a big deal, um, and it, it can't be overstated because right. if you don't go back and read them with that lens, when you go back and read them and then you think, wow, Moses showed up and actually like was like, this is the guy. You know, this is him. So I think it's a big deal. Um, chapter 17, verse 4, Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. <laughs> Which is funny, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses and one for Elijah. So Peter wanted to make some sort of fitting memorial for this glorious event. I totally get it. I totally agree. You read the scriptures, you go back to uh, the Torah and the prophets, and you read about like what uh, you know 
Memorial Abraham, stones. Well, but Abraham did. Memorial stones. Right. What um, pouring oil on a rock. Isaac did. What Jacob did. Um, I wonder if it was Sukkot. Maybe uh, it was the know, time of Sukkot. I don't know. Great question because it does say that you know we'll build three tabernacles here for you guys. Oh, that's great. But so this totally makes sense. Um, now Yeshua obviously doesn't endorse this because I think they get distracted right after this, right? Because the next verse says this in uh, chapter seventeen, verse five. It says, "While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him.'" Um, so, what? Again, you've already got the transfigured Savior. And because they watched him transfigure before their eyes, I sensed the fact that in this they weren't really afraid, right? They were like, wow, this is cool. He, like, we've been following him all this time, and now like, we're really getting somewhere. You know, like, they probably got excited. But then the cloud comes down, right? The yeah. glory cloud. It comes down, and then boom, the, this voice of God saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to what he has to say, right? And they heard it. Right. And so this bright cloud is reminiscent of the cloud of God's presence and glory that appeared at other various times in the Old Testament. You can find that like in Exodus chapter 13. Remember in the tabernacle? Cloud by day, pillar of fire yeah, by let night. Me, let me read that, Ryan. Yeah, go ahead. Exodus 13, 21 and 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. You know, I always wondered why the people didn't get sunburned, because he had a cloud over them. Right. That's powerful. Yeah, wandering around the wilderness. What about the uh, Exodus 34, verses 5 and 7, 5 through 7? Let's check it out. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. So that's what the 13 attributes of God, right? Wow, that's right. Yeah. We got 1 Kings 8, 10 through 13. 1 Kings 8. 10 through 13. Oh, and it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. There's where you get the presence of God that you can't stand in his presence. Falling out in the Holy Spirit, being yeah. slain in the Holy Spirit, whatever people want to call it. So that the priest could not stand to minister. Remember when they came after Yeshua and he said, I am, and they all yeah, fell back. Yeah, that's right. Ooh, what's that all about? So let's see here. We so this is cool. So we have the cloud comes down. Oh, wait. Hold on. Let me. God's voice. Yep. Oh. Then spake Solomon, the Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. I have surely built thee a house to dwell in, a settled place for thee to abide in forever. Hallelujah. Man. So. So the, the voice out of the, uh, the cloud is God the Father's public endorsement of Yeshua, his beloved son, echoes that given, echoes given, that given at Yeshua's baptism, right? Because this right. also happened, a voice came down. Now, Yeshua is the incarnate son of God, superior to Moses and Elijah, 
So the disciples must listen to him in order to understand his messianic purpose. That's good. It is good. And so you have Moses. That was and, the Godhead of the baptism, though, you know, you think about it, because the dove came down. Right, right. Yeshua was baptized, mikvah, and then the voice. So that's a picture of the Godhead. But check this out. I always like to use that. Right? You have a third witness, right? You have Moses and Elijah. Right. And now Yahweh himself, God himself comes and endorses Yeshua. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see Moses got to go into the promised land above it oh, and appear. Oh, no, yeah. Some people brought that out. I yeah. thought that was kind of cool. Even if it was at Mount Hermon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I, know. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that the the next thing on this is how in, in verse 6, which I think we get into that, um, is that the disciples, they hear this voice, and they go from like, hey, let's build some altars, you know, to falling on their faces, you know. I imagine the book of Ezekiel and like, you know, the angels that would come down and people would just fall on their faces in their presence. How much more the presence of God and his voice booming and hearing him endorse Yeshua, you know, and just realizing the holiness of the moment and the place and, and everything. So you're going to read, mm-hmm. or is it, it's my turn to read. It is your turn to read. I'll, I'll read Matthew chapter 17, verses 7 through 13. Yeah. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Mm. So now we have another character. Right, well we, and we, we have it's a second witness to him being Elijah, because <laughs> Yeshua previously in Matthew has said that, yeah, yeah, that but he, it's like a came in the it's like a puzzle of Elijah. It is. I need Sherlock Holmes. Although it's pretty it's pretty clear, right? I mean he says they understood he spoke of the, to them of John the Baptist. So um so here's the next question, right? What did the disciples do after hearing the voice? Man, they fell on their face and they were sore afraid. They were. Like I I, I mean again, how, how do you not? How afraid were the people at Mount Sinai when the thunder and the lightning and the yeah, and they're like, Moses, you go talk to him. Weather patterns. <laughs> we can't the, do it. This, this trumpet blast, you know, which is the voice of God. Yeah. And so who came to touch the disciples and said, arise and be not afraid? Jesus. So Yeshua himself comes. So this is crazy. The transfigured Savior touches them. It says it right here, right? It says, uh, where am I? I'm in verse 7. It says, but Jesus came and touched them. The transfigured Arise, be not afraid. Savior. I love that. Don't be afraid. I'm just like... You scaredy cats. Wow. So then what happened when the disciples lifted up their eyes? They saw no man save Jesus only. Right. So I imagine that this is one of those moments where like there's a whirlwind, you know, like inside of the movies, and then all of a sudden they open up, you know, their eyes, and then boom, everything's gone. It's just them and yeah. Jesus. And it's like, did this happen? Where am I? Who am I? Like... Was this a glitch in the matrix? Like, I, I, I just can only imagine what's going through these guys' heads. But listen, these guys went to their deaths telling this story. 
No one's going to die for a lie. That's what I'm saying. No one, you know, what did they say Yeshua is? Well, maybe one person would. He's either a liar. But not 12 of them. A lunatic or Lord. Yeah. But no one's going to die for a lie. No, I agree. So they were firsthand witnesses. Right. So uh, verse number nine, and as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them saying, tell the vision to no man until the son of man be risen again from the dead. And so Yeshua told Peter, James, and John not to tell anyone what they had seen until after his resurrection, because he knew that they didn't fully understand it and could not explain what they didn't understand. You know, God is God, and he's going to show himself to be God. Yeah. And I find it interesting within Greek mythology, half man, half God, those characters, you know, Zeus and Perseus and, you know, release the Kraken and all these things, you know, but but it's like, you know, the, the, the Greek gods did engage with the people, but yeah. it wasn't like our God. Right. The greatest God that usurped Zeus, you know, so. I, uh, I just... I'm amazed, you know, still, like, I just wish I was there, you know, I just, I want to be there, you know, I read these stories, and I'm You know, just if you like, had to pick a time to live, I'd want to be a disciple. Oh, man. Or at least in the not. crowd, at least following him. The only more exciting, mo- the only mo- thing that could compare is probably living today. I would say that living today with the signs of the times that we see, being able to, like, it's easier, I think, today to yearn for the return of Yeshua, because there's a crown for that, right? Yearning for Yeshua. That there's a crown that is given to those that, that yearn for his presence, that yearn for his return. And so I think about how we've been given all of these signs of the times that are going on. You know, when I went to Chicago, again, I mean, I hate to beat a dead horse, I've been talking about it, but just sin abounds. God allows us to see these things to show us the signs of the times. And people are going to and fro, doing their own business, right? It's all about them. People are broken. They're hurting. They're oppressed. The enemy is, is seemingly winning. They don't fill the God hole winning. with God. Yeah. Right. And so you, you come to this place where you realize, like, wow, this is also an exciting time to live. We just might get the opportunity to see the transfigured Savior come down to the Mount of Olives, you know? And splits in two in the whole bit. You know, I mean, that's, that sounds pretty exciting. So, so let's keep moving. All right, so uh, in verse 10, what did the disciples ask Yeshua? Why then say the scribes that Elias or Elijah must first come? So he answers the question in verses 11 through 13. He says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elijah is come already, and they knew him not but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. So based on the scripture, Malachi 4, 5, and 6, the scribes believed that Elijah must appear before the Messiah would appear. Yeshua was referring to John the Baptist, not to the Old Testament prophet Elijah. John the Baptist took on Elijah's prophetic role, boldly confronting sin, particularly the sinful lifestyle and abuses of the political and religious leaders, the elite, right? And pointing all the people to God. Now, um, I think about this, and I think that when I actually go and read Malachi chapter 4, Well, let's, just, let's just make two points here. All I right. want to make two points so people understand what's going on. If we take what Yeshua said literally, okay, right. it almost seems like he's alluding to John the Baptist was Elijah. I agree. As, as it was foretold. He's making you think that in a way. But is he reincarnated? 
But but my question is this. He says, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. John the Baptist never restored things. Right. He had repentance and prepared the way. Right. So he's still coming. That's my point. Thank you. But we'll have to look at the viewpoints of that. You could could elaborate on that as well, because even John the Baptist said, I'm not Elijah. I want to read chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. You know, it's funny, too. Oh, Malachi? Yeah. Because that's already a reference, right? It is a reference. On the other page, we didn't use it, though. We We just haven't read it yet. It is a reference, but we haven't read it yet. It is a reference. So even when you get to verse 4, I love verse 4, because it says, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Which, you know, I've shown this before, but like, here's the New Testament. These are like the last verses, right? Before you get to it. So what does he say right before you get to the New Testament? Don't forget the Torah. (laughs) Then we throw in the white page. (laughs) So then it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So this is where we get it. But the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord sounds like the second coming of Yeshua, does it not? Right? Sounds like, right? Sounds like the coming, the second coming. Interesting. It says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And obviously we uphold and believe uh, there's multiple interpretations of this passage. There's one something of, coming. One of which is that he's turning us back to the patriarchs, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's true. And to the Torah, especially with the context of saying the Torah is important right there at that in that verse. So... John the Baptist surely is a partial, at least a partial fulfillment that Elijah would come, right, and make straight a way for the Lord, which is, but he's not a, he didn't do the signs and wonders that Elijah did. And I think that that's what people are expecting to see when they think of Elijah the prophet coming before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Yeah, because actually there's Elijah and then Elisha. Those were the miracle working prophets. Right. Then you have the writing prophets. But there's one more controversy. You ready for this? It says, when John the Baptist denied that he was Elijah. So he denied it. And where's that at? In John chapter 1, verse 21, and also in verse 25. Now, it is possible that either he was denying that he was Elijah the person, which is good, because like we're not really into the reincarnation thing. <laughs> you know? Don't bring uh, Samuel back. Or that he rejected not the ministry predicted in Malachi, but misguided popular elaborations of his promise based on other notable features in the original Elijah's ministry, especially his many miracles, which pointed more to Christ than to John. So this is, this is all part of this puzzle where he's saying, look, that's, that's, not, that's not me, right? There's someone else maybe still coming that's going to do signs and wonders and point people to the coming king, right? The one who's going to conquer... Oh, and, and let me read this verse. And this is very powerful sure. how we put the scripture interpret scripture. Yeah, yeah. John ten forty one, and many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true. So, so this is very, very interesting. So, you know, uh, as as we as we develop this conclusion, uh, let's let's discuss the possibilities. And the reasons why, and you can look this up, Elijah could come back before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. You know, somebody taught me how, because uh, there's an Elisha in our congregation. Yeah, there a young, is. A young boy. And uh, the, the grandson of um, 
Angela and Charles. But see, Elijah, J comes before S. Right. That's how you remember that, Elijah. Yeah. So why don't you read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. So this is Elijah's, uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11 is where the fiery chariot Yeah, check it down. out. Go, go find it. All right, I got it, I got it. Uh, like Enoch was taken, he right. walked with God and he was taken. That's the first he, rapture. And then he was not. And then he was not. <laughs> Philip was transported right. to another area. So 2.11 says, Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Okay, so Elijah was taken up by a fire chariot. With fiery horses. Yeah. What about Malachi chapter 4, verses 5? So let's read I, that again. I just read those. Let's read that again. All right. And we're going to go into some other things here as well. All right. And it says here, uh, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Okay, we're just going to look at Revelation 11.3. I'll read it. Revelation 11.3. Okay. We have Elijah going up in a fiery chariot. Right. We have this prophecy of restoration coming through Elijah right. before the coming of the dreadful and terrible day of the Lord. Right. But Revelation 11.3 is very interesting. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. That's found in Zechariah. Yeah. 4, 3, and then verses 11 and 14. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 3, 11 and 14. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must be in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. So they're saying that this is like Moses and Elijah. Right. There's it's also people that think it's Enoch and Elijah, yeah. and when Judah they, and Ephraim. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindred and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. You're going to see it on, on, the, on the television there. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Mm. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. So and everybody they heard, will see them dead, and then everybody yeah. again will see them alive. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. So, wow. so the, I think God's going to raise up people in the last days. You know, it, it is customary to set a place for Elijah at the Passover Seder, by the way. Yeah. So let's just, I'm going to write down something here that's very interesting. Um, as we see the transfiguration of Yeshua, and he actually shows himself to be God. Uh, I mean, you can't say it's a theophany because... It's Jesus being right. transfigured. So so what I want to submit to you, Ryan, is that before every credible act of God or move or historical move in redemption, God 
has this theophany. Just like if you go back to the burning bush. The Lord manifested where Moses had to take off his sandals. So let's put down burning bush. Okay. Okay. Um, Abraham ate with the God and the angels, right? See, that's that's the first one, right? That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Let me let me let me let me let me make mention of that. So, Abraham had lunch with God. That's right. We won't mention what they ate. <laughs> ate with God. So Abraham ate with God and the two angels. So it was a theophany because nobody had seen the face of God and lived. Right. Okay, that's that's number one. Number two, the burning bush. Okay. Number three, Joshua. Oh. What about on the mountain, Moses on the mountain and the 70 elders? Yeah, we could say it. We could do that. If we just cut to the chase here. What about, 100 of them. <laughs> what about Joshua? Well, I mean, nah, there's not that many, but there's yeah. enough to prove a point or a template. Right. But now Joshua encounters the captain of the Lord of hosts, tells Joshua, you better take your shoes off. Because what did Joshua say? Are you for us or against us? Right, right, Whose right. side are you on? You know, and it's interesting, too, because like at the beginning of the year, everyone wants a word or what's this year going to be for? Be like the Gregorian New Year, which is interesting. And I was praying. and They asked me at the table, my pastor friends. Yeah. I said, you have to choose sides this year. So there you have this theophany. So I believe God will raise up some incredible men of God in this movement that will guide and lead properly. Won't be false prophets. Yeah. Won't mislead people. Won't be the Antichrist or the false prophet. But will be truly legitimate and sent of God. So once again, discuss the possibilities and the reasons why Elijah could come back before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Uh, even even Samuel appears to King Saul, summoned him like a familiar spirit. And what what did that familiar spirit proclaim? Yeah, see, Elijah's different because Samuel died a yeah. physical death and went to Sheol, That's and true. they woke him up. Right. Yeah. Elijah uh, went. He didn't die. He's up. I mean, I don't know how that works. I don't know Enoch, how it works. Same thing with Enoch. Disputing over the body of Moses? Even so and that's the one this is the that's the one piece of this. That's that in I don't Jude. Quite they disputed catch. over the body of Moses. How does Moses end up here? That that's the one I get how Elijah comes. Elijah went up in a fiery chariot, he was alive, he's probably still alive, he's glorified in some way, shape, or form. But then how does Moses get there at this place? Because Moses it says Moses died, but then I was like, Well, you know, Moses wrote that he died. So <laughs> makes you ponder you know how does how does all this work what did you say well moses wrote right the end yeah. of deuteronomy so i mean supposedly some people say it was joshua that finished right. it off um but i mean moses writes of his own death in the past tense how does that work that's a good point i mean the answer is i don't know i don't know how all this works i by faith take these things at face value because i've had too much evidence of god showing up in my life to not, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just at this point, I take these things by faith and I feel like my life is better because of it. You know, um, what we were talking about last night, you can be correct and accurate and still be wrong. You know, that's the thing though, Ryan, I think there's a, um, I want to say that what I'm experiencing personally is intimacy. Amen. So God wants me Thank for you, himself. Thank he you. wants me. Yes. He wants Nick. He wants his son. That's right. So, him and I are hanging out and we're doing stuff together. Yeah. And there's some things that, you know, daddy's doing that I'm not in agreement with. Like, well, this was me. Yeah. Yeah. If I was Abba. If I was dad. 
but it's okay. And I really believe that. I, I think that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to go back to that thought that was downloaded. There's two things that are happening, Ryan, that are so powerful when you really think about it. In order to make better decisions in our life every day, to make better decisions, like whether we're eating something or drinking something or watching something, we're a little more reluctant to just eat or drink anything or watch anything. We're a little more apprehensive. Sure. So I want to say two things. I, I believe what's happening now, not to be judgmental or fault finding or anything, but to really look at it like this. I believe this, that God is wanting us to be that witness, to show people that it can be done. Sure. You can overcome bad eating habits. You can overcome whatever habits you, you've got. You can overcome these things. Sure. And, and live out a better life in a better way. Because here's what, what, what it is, Ryan, what it boils down to. And this is what the Lord was showing me. I want you to disciple others. Amen. And you can't disciple others unless you've been through it. That's right. So if I get up here and I share about how I overcame alcohol by the grace of God, there's somebody struggling. Even yeah. right now in our congregation, sure. people are struggling with alcohol and haven't really come forth or dealt with the problem like they should have. And there's timing for everything. But I'm saying that by me sharing that testimony, whatever, it allows us to be the people he wants us to be. Yeah. So if we can have God for ourselves and he can have us for himself, that's the most important thing. Not to put on an act. I agree. Because when all hell breaks loose percent. and when things don't go your way and things are happening around me, I realize I have my father. I'm at his feet, so that's the twofold thing that I you know, see. And, and we were talking about this right before we started today. I was mentioning that I had heard somebody talking about truth, how people are attracted, attracted to truth, even if it's negative truth, because truth is relatable. Because people don't live in like this positive bubble where like everything's you know great and jolly good, you know, and all this stuff. Yeah. People live in in reality. They live in the real world. They see you know what's going on, um, and people are attracted to that truth. And and what I've found is the best thing to do when discipling people. Because um, praise God, the Lord's given me opportunities to do just that. Is you point them to Jesus, point them to the Scripture. If you catch yourself saying, "You know what I think," stop and point to Scripture, <laughs> because it's just better. It's just because at the end of the day, you're going to come to a place where the questions will boil down to a least common denominator that you don't have an answer for. Only God has those answers, and and you're not smart enough. You're not good looking enough. You're not any of that stuff. Not that you're not smart or good looking. But you're definitely not God. You know, see, Beit Tehila draws all kinds of people. Sure does. Fruits, flakes, and, and nuts. And it's been prophesied <laughs> that we have open doors, that people come and go, people Hallelujah. come and go, yep, people yep, come yep. and go, people come and go. There's the bride, the bridal party, and the guests. So, like, we give everybody the opportunity to come. And be the bride. But we are the bride. That's and, right. and that's what we're going to teach, and that's what we're shooting for. But let's just say, well, you're just a guest right now. Yeah. Hopefully one day you'll be the bride. I want an intimate relationship with Yeshua, with God himself, with the Holy Spirit. I want intimacy. I've just, I've been on, so on fire lately in worship and prayer and just thanking God. I just look at the things around me and I'm just so blessed and I'm so thankful. And how can you not worship? And if you catch yourself putting your, your opinions or your insecurities or whatever above those things, and Jesus says you don't deserve if you put your parents or your your wife or your kids above him right then you don't deserve him there's these things hard sayings but really what it is, is it's give him his due you know worship God do spiritual exercises I think it's just super important oh yeah I mean my thing is um, there's so many good things coming real discipline you know oh yeah um, uh, Connie came to prayer 
a week before last, and, she, and God put it on her heart, Psalm 27. I won't oh, read yeah. the whole thing, but Psalm 27 is a psalm that you read yep. for the month of Elul yep. and all the way up to the blowing of the trumpets. Yeah. Um, but it says it says this. I thought this was interesting. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. That's right. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. These are even lies that people can say about you. Yeah. Well, you're not fair. You're not this. You're not that. You know, they've risen up against me. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in, in the, the land, land of, of the, the living. living. Hallelujah. But then it says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Come on. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait now, upon the Lord. you know, to, to leave, we, we, we probably have to do... Uh, Our two points. Yeah, you go first. All right, I got two points. You ready? Mm-hmm. My first point is this. The same power that transfigured our Savior and the same power that raised him from the dead lives in you. It's in you. That's good. It's in you. The same power. And I think about that, and I read those verses that Alexis brought up last night, right? Romans 12, verse 2, and 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Those are verses. Those are the promises. When people say, hold on to the promises of God, I am being transfigured into glory. Even as we sit here and speak, God is transforming me through the renewing of my mind, through the washing of the water of the word, by his spirit and by my faith. I am being transfigured. You are being transfigured. The people listening are and watching, you are being transfigured right now. God is changing you for your good. You're wow. getting better. And I just, I love that. I'm so thankful I for I got to tie that into number one. That's good. Because I can tell you it's, it's true in my life. That's so good. My second point is fear God and trust his plan. Fear God and trust his plan. Fear God and trust his plan. The disciples, when they heard the voice of God, they fell on their faces afraid. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I like that. Okay? Wow. Fear God. Get the wisdom of the fear of the Lord, the understanding of his awesome power and might and his mercies and his loving kindness. Get that revelation, right? And then trust his plan. That is powerful. You know, I use that verse... Walk in the spirit. Yeah. Not after the flesh. Renew your mind. Yeah. Purify your heart. Oh, yeah. So God's taking it to a deeper level now that I didn't even know. Amen. How do you... I said we're being brainwashed. Well, absolutely. You put those goggles on. You better be careful. Tell me about I it. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not going to be putting no goggles on. I mean, I'm not saying I'm <laughs> against the goggles yeah, or of course, against, yeah. whatever. I mean, because they have those in Jerusalem. They show you like a virtual reality yeah, of the temple yeah, and everything. Yeah. But what I'm saying, what is your reality? So, yeah, that's a good point. Number one, I say Yeshua proved that he is God by his transfiguration before his disciples. Amen. He proved it. Thank you, Lord. And like what Ryan Thank said, you. which is really important, is, uh, the three points, number two for me would be, we are being transfigured right now, which is what you said. But lastly... I have to have a third one. Uh, we look forward to God raising up true leaders in the restoration and the regathering of Israel in the future. Amen. We're so blessed. You know, renew your mind. How did I, this is the thing? You know, we've been doing this now. We're in, in almost five years completed, right? 
what a blessing the word of God is. It is. It does not, you know, he promises it doesn't come back null and void, right? That it does what it was sent to do. It accomplishes its mission. And I'm super grateful for that. So let's pray. Thank you. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are changing us, that you are transforming us, that you are uh, morphing us into the image of your Son, God, that we are renewed daily, God, that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, the washing of the water of the Word. God, we just thank you that you are giving us power and authority in the Spirit, that we can uh, do greater works than even the works that Yeshua did. And God, we thank you for the, the revelation of the transfigured, risen Savior, that he is in glory, that he is in heaven with you right now, our advocate on our behalf, and that we too someday will be transformed in that manner. And we're just so thankful for that. And so we just give you all glory and honor and praise in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Well, we should probably say, since we close out the book of Numbers, Oh yeah. what do we say? Hazak, 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 Venish, Hazik. Be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened. Hallelujah. Thank God we finished the book of Numbers. Yeah, we're it didn't work the, out too well. In the Torah well. portions. We and now we're going to be hitting Deuteronomy. The annual cycle. Thank you, Jesus, yep. Deuteronomy. So there you go, everybody. You've got, you got the Gospel of Matthew that you're watching and listening to. Yeah. You've got the Torah portions. You've got the season of Teshuvah coming. Oh, man. And it's really about returning, and it's going to be so, so That's right. Good. And this Friday night starts uh, the 9th of Av. Uh, a day of mourning for Orthodox Jews all over the world, the destruction of both temples. To conclude the three weeks of affliction. Something you should be aware of and, and, and be looking out there into the world. So uh, if you guys have any comments or things, or hey, if I missed anything, send me an email, ryan at twopraise.net. Leave comments on our YouTube channel or on Facebook. Uh, I got to tell you, it brings me such joy hearing from you, whether I like your comment or not. You know, it just gives me joy. To Give see us some feedback. Here. We so, love it. That's right. So We're all in this together. That's Our right. spirit to your spirit. That's right. Bless you guys. Have a great week.